Hi, I'm Trudy Morton Cole, and you are listening to Shelf Esteem, the podcast. This week, instead of a couple of guests from outside, I've got myself talking about some books that I've read lately, and I've also got my special guest from inside the house, my daughter Emma. We're going to talk about some of the great young adult literature that she's been reading, and a few that I've read as well. So I hope you'll join us. Even though we haven't got any outside guests this week, it's still going to be a great podcast. So my usual thing is to bring in one or two people from the community, writers or readers, well always readers, but people from all sorts of different walks of life. And I had some people lined up. I do have some great guests lined up over the weeks ahead, but it just turned out that October was an insanely busy month for me and also as it happened for some of the people that I'd asked to come in and do a podcast. So some people who were really excited about doing it had to keep putting it off and rescheduling because it just wasn't a good time. So what we're going to do is do those podcasts a little later. We're going to be bringing you some good ones in November and December. But I thought to uh, do our second podcast for October, maybe I would just come on here and tell you about some of what I've been reading and then get Emma down here as well, because she is another avid reader. And particularly for those of you with uh, teens, young adult readers in the house, as you think about the Christmas season coming up and buying books as gifts, because those are some of the best gifts, uh, then you might want to also think about some of Emma's recommendations. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about what I've been reading. Um, my very favorite thing that I've been reading lately is actually a reread, as it sometimes is, of a trilogy that I discovered a couple of years ago. Uh, this ties in kind of neatly with the conversation I was having a couple of weeks ago with uh, Rob Cook and David Newman when we were talking about books that were inspiring to us on the spiritual journey. Uh, for people of faith, or people at least who are interested in the life of faith. I discovered a couple of years ago a writer, a British writer by the name of Catherine Fox, and I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard of her. I find that not very many people in North America ever have. Uh, but she is a novelist, and she wrote a trilogy of novels, which she initially, each volume was published on her blog, self-published on her blog, week by week, chapter by chapter. And then as each one was completed, it came out as a, a book, a print and ebook. Uh, so the series is called, I think, The Linchester Chronicle, and she's created this fictional English Cathedral City of Linchester, which, um, as she is the wife of a Church of England clergyman, I imagine is in many ways based on the real-life foibles of clergy people. And really, it takes us with this omniscient point of view and an omniscient narrator into the lives and relationships and even the faith journeys, uh, in a way, of, of a number of characters within this cathedral city. They are some of the most Christian novels I've read and also very not typical of Christian novels. And I'll try to explain what I mean by that. Um, the first one, oh, I always get them in, I always get the titles in the wrong order. The first one is Acts and Omissions. The second is Unseen Things Above. And then the third is Realms of Glory. And I love all three of these books so much. Uh, they are very, very... Um, deliberately and uh, clearly patterned on uh, Anthony Trollope's 19th century novels, the Barchester Towers, the Barchester books, if you know Trollope. But if you don't know Trollope, you don't need to, uh, because these are really about the, the life of a contemporary church community. Obviously, if you're Anglican, if you're Church of England, there's a lot of references and a lot of the humor here that you're going to get better than us outsiders would. But I found even as a non-Anglican person of faith, even if I might have missed, you know, a lot of the clergy politics and not got some of those nuances, the, the portrait of real people trying to live out real lives of faith, or sometimes not faith, because not all the characters are Christian, including some of the clergy spouses, um, 
it was really very something I could really relate to, even though the particular backdrop of a cathedral was very unfamiliar to me. Um, so it's a very contemporary story, extremely contemporary, to the extent that, uh, as I said, she published them week by week, the chapters on her blog. And the first two books I didn't discover until they were already out as books. But the third book, Realms of Glory, I did read along week by week, which she did throughout last year, 2016. And as many of you may remember, 2016 was not a great year in a lot of ways. And a lot of things that were happening week by week as she was writing and posting these chapters, the celebrity deaths, the Brexit vote, the election in the United States, terrorist attacks. You know, the characters are responding and dealing with all these things in real time, just as the reader and the writers were. Um, so as I said, they are very deeply novels of faith in which faith plays a huge role. And I find them to be real stories of grace and redemption. But at the same time, they are not books that would necessarily sit easily on the shelves of a lot of Christian bookstores, particularly evangelical Christian bookstores. Uh, there are uh, certainly some swear words, some characters who would, you know, use inappropriate language. Uh, there are characters who fall into bed together who some Christian readers might not approve of, particularly uh, several gay couples very lovingly depicted. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, you know, the book that you would immediately say, at least if you come from the sort of North American evangelical background, background that a lot of us do, that uh, this is, you know, that you would might not immediately call this a Christian novel, or a series of novels, but I find them very, very permeated with faith and hope and grace. And they're just beautifully written and also really, really funny. I think sometimes when you describe something as being about faith or about the spiritual journey, you think it's going to be incredibly serious. These are really not. They're wickedly funny. So Catherine Fox, The Linchester Trilogy. Uh, if anything in my description sounds like that's a series of books you would like, you should definitely check it out. Uh, not easy to get hold of the hard copies of the books here in North America. Easier as ebooks. I also read... I don't know how to pronounce this author's name because I've never heard it said out loud. Amor or Amor Tal's A Gentleman in Moscow. This book took me a really long time to get into. It was just a very slow read and I had a lot else going on. And I had it borrowed from the library as an ebook. And the thing with ebooks from the library, I mean, if you have a physical book from the library and it's overdue, you can just bring it back a few days later and pay a fine. But an ebook will disappear off your device on the due date. And I realized I was only about halfway through this book. And the due date was the next day. But then somebody tipped me off that if I just shut off the Wi-Fi on my device and didn't, you know, allow it to communicate with the world hive mind, then I could bypass this. And indeed, I kept the book out an extra day and guiltily read to the end of it. But it really, it picked up. It was a slow starter. Uh, it's a very intriguing concept. Uh, the main character, Count Alexander Rostov, is sentenced um, for being an unrepentant aristocrat in the early days of the Bolshevik Re Revolution in Russia. And he is sentenced not to death, as so many were, nor to exile, but to kind of the opposite of exile, permanent house arrest in the place he's currently living, which happens to be a luxury hotel. So from within the walls of this luxury hotel, from a man whose life has been confined to this tiny space, over a period of more than 30 years, you see Russian history and life and Count Alexander Rostov's own life unfolding against the backdrop of this hotel. And I thought it was such an interesting idea to tell such a big story of all the things that happened during those years uh, in such a restricted space. So although that book took me quite a while to get into, 
it was really, really engrossing once I did get into it. And it's totally my fault that I ended up having to read it in like less than 24 hours because of it coming due at the library, because I had just put off really getting engrossed in it. Another book that I fell into really quickly uh, and loved is another historical one, The Essex Serpent by Sarah Perry. This is set in uh, late Victorian England. And the main, one of the main characters, Cora, uh, is a recently widowed young woman, youngish woman, uh, who is fascinated with science, with the natural sciences, who wants to study and learn about the world. And of course, for women, particularly, you know, women of most classes, uh, other than perhaps the very independently wealthy at this time in history, this was a very difficult thing to do to not only to achieve learning for yourself, to get an education, but then to be able to do real science and make your own discoveries, which is what Cora longs to do. Recently widowed, she finds herself with a little more freedom than she did, actually a lot more freedom than she did as a married woman. And then she hear stories about a mysterious sea serpent that has been seen off the waters of this small Essex village. And then we shift to the other main character. There are actually quite a few fascinating characters in the story, although the two main ones are Cora and Will Ransom, who is the clergyman uh, in this small community. And he is uh, a man of faith, but also a man of reason. He believes that religious faith and the new learning can coexist side by side. What he's horrified by is the superstition about the sea serpent that the villagers are um, indulging in, and he's trying to fight against that superstition. And of course, Cora and Will come into each other's um, orbit and get to know each other. There's definitely an attraction there, but there's also a lot of complications, including the fact that Will is, at least up until the time Cora comes to town, quite happily married with a wife and family. So that's a fascinating story, both of individuals who I thought were really vividly and well drawn, and also of a turbulent time in history when people were questioning a lot of the things that they had always taken for granted, a lot of the, I guess, pillars of faith in society. So that was another book I've read recently that uh, that really I enjoyed thoroughly and, and really enjoyed visiting the world of the book. Some of the other books I've enjoyed, really enjoyed reading lately have been young adult novels. And this is the point in the podcast at which I'm going to call in my resident young adult fiction expert, uh, my 17-year-old daughter, Emma Cole. And uh, Emma's going to join me now and talk about some books that uh, she's really enjoyed reading lately. So Emma, you are an avid reader, mostly of young adult literature. I am. YA literature. So what have you read lately that's uh, had an impact on you? Uh, well, a book that I read recently that I know you read as well is mm-hmm. Turtles All the Way Down, you know, yes, John Green's yeah. new book, which I really enjoyed. And um, I was, you know, whenever an author who's got some really great books out comes out with a new one, you're always a bit worried if you're going to like it or not, especially if it's, an yes, author, yeah. uh, if it's an author that you really like. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous if I was going to like it or not, and I ended up really enjoying it, which yeah. was great. Um, I thought it had really original characters, and the dialogue was actually pretty good for a YA novel, which is yeah. what I find is um, uh, one of the most frustrating things about being a teenager reading teenagers, um, yeah. is that it doesn't seem genuine a lot of the time, but it was um, it was all right. It was yeah. pretty well done. It's interesting you mention that, because I mean, a criticism a lot of people have of John Green is that his teenager's dialogue is too smart to be realistic. I don't think that's true um no i think uh teenagers can be smart sometimes yeah, you are uh, i like to think so um so yeah i feel like it's it's not the most realistic dialogue i've heard but it wasn't too bad and i really 
I really liked the characters. I thought they were very um, different from anything he's he's written before. Whereas, like, you know, um, a thing that a lot of people say and what I think myself is that from his first, I think, three novels, all of the... Um, the the narrators were very similar, I think, sort of yes, in uh, yeah. in style and voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, of course that changed with the Fault in Our Stars when he did Hazel as a narrator instead of just like the same teenage boy that he'd yes, always been yeah. writing from. Well, I think in many ways was probably a teenage John Green. To a Definitely, which I totally get. I totally understand that. So it was, I mean, it was nice to see that he could change that up for the Fault in Our Stars, which was of course a huge success, and then change it up again yeah. for the newer book, which is... Yeah, because is, Aza is very different. From, yes, because yeah. I mean, most of the book like, there's obviously a huge plot going on that yeah. means a lot to the story, but m- the majority of it is just what Aza is thinking and what she's trying not to think about and what's going on inside her head. Yeah. So since the novel focuses almost as much on the plot internally as it does, like, the external plot, mm-hmm. you had to have a really strong voice to that, and I think he did it well. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for anyone who's not familiar with it or hasn't heard about it, the book is from the point of view of a young woman with obsessive-compulsive mm-hmm. disorder, yeah. which the author himself has. Mm-hmm. So he's talking, you know, writing about something else. But yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, that, that the plot inside her head is even more important probably than the external Yeah, definitely. Plot. And that's uh, sort of part of Aza's character is that she's so trapped inside her whole... Ho- she's so trapped inside her head, like, all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes me wonder, given that, that The Fault in Our Stars was, was a big hit as a movie as well, and then they made a movie of Paper Towns, would you, could you make a movie of Turtles All the Way Down with so much of it is in her head? I don't, you know, I don't think you could. I mean, maybe someone could, but I'd, I'm, I'd be happy to be proved wrong on that. Yeah. But I think it would be very difficult without just doing a lot of narration because, like, the whole thing with uh, internal dialogue trying to be, like, narrated usually comes off just really cheesy and cliche it's and, really and it, not very well received in yeah. novels, especially, or in novel adaptations because yeah. uh, it just seems kind of out of place like things that you would read on a page even though they seem great if you put them straight in that sort of context into a movie it doesn't always work the same yeah. way which is frustrating but uh yeah that's just what it is it makes me think a little bit of a movie that you you wouldn't have seen yet um a beautiful mind mm-hmm. which is about it's based on not a novel but a non-fiction book a biography about john nash a famous mathematician mm-hmm. who also was schizophrenic um, and if, if I had read the book first, I would have said, how would they ever put mm-hmm. this on screen? But the way they did it, in his case, because he was schizophrenic, he had auditory hallucinations. But in the movie, they gave him visual hallucinations yeah, yeah, yeah. so the, you know, the, the audience could see yeah. what he was supposed and to And there, there are definitely yeah. parts of Aza's sort of thought spirals that you could show visually on screen, like with the, um, with the wound on her, on her finger that right. she keeps like, reopening yeah. and the drinking of hand sanitizer and stuff like that. That would be easily... like viewable yeah. Yeah. but it's the rest of it that accompanies it that you really need to hear you know the thoughts that she can't keep out yeah, and um thoughts. with another YA book that was like a big thing right at the time when I was in the right age range yeah. for it was The Hunger Games of course, oh, of course when the yeah. movies first came out I went to the premiere of every single one of those yes, yeah. um and you know I read the books I went with my friends to all of them like it was a big deal right when I was like 13 or 14 I uh-huh. think maybe 12 12 to 14 yeah. and so I remember because I knew the book so well, but I saw it with a couple of people and some people that I knew who hadn't read the books went Mm -hmm. to see it. And I remember one thing that is so important to the plot, at least in the first book, is you've read them through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, Is that, uh, you know, Katniss is mostly making up her affection for Peta. Like, it's not genuine, at least in the games towards the end. She's 
really using it as a strategy because she is very strategic yeah. like that. Um, and, you know, as it goes on, she questions whether it is genuine or if mm-hmm. she's still just, like, yeah. faking and doesn't realize. Anyway, that's a big part of it. But a lot of people I know who saw it didn't get that at all. That didn't come across at all because you couldn't do the narration from her mind exactly. where she goes, now I'm going to kiss him because I know it'll look good, like, or yeah, something. Which she, does, see her which she doesn't say blatantly, yeah, but, yeah. you know, basically yeah. you hear that thought process. And, yeah, in the, in the movie it just comes across as, you know, they could genuinely be in love, which is, you know, what everyone else was supposed to see it as, but you miss this whole other level and dimension of the dialogue yeah. or of the narrative just because you don't hear what's in her head. So it's it's a difficult thing to do in movies. It is. Internal conflict generally is really hard. Yeah, you know, yeah. What a person is thinking is different from what yeah. they're doing on the outside other than the cheesy yeah. voiceover. Yeah, unless it has a very physical manifestation that can almost outweigh or substitute the internal dialogue, it's really yeah. hard to do. Well, that's definitely would be a challenge, and I'm sure they're inevitably going to want to try to make a movie of Turtles. I don't know if John Green's going to let them. I don't know. You know, I feel when you say that thing about about how nervous you are about reading a new book by someone whose previous books Mm -hmm. you've loved, I mean, I know, and we both know from following him on social media, that he went through that as a writer, too, that you have the huge hit. And then what I mean, he was working on this for so long as well, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I am by no means as successful as John Green. (laughs) Probably never will be, but even I can, like understand how that must or at least get an idea of what that must feel to have this huge success and then have to follow it up but I think it was good that he came out with something that was blatantly very different yes it wasn't trying to do the fault yeah no if anyone read the blurb or anything about it could tell this is not the fault in our stars so you don't you shouldn't compare them like that yeah Mm-hmm. I think another thing with that book, and we will move on to other books, yeah. but like you said, we yeah. both just read this one within the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Um, you know, I read, the young adult books I read, obviously I read now as a 52-year-old woman yeah. with a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old kid. So I read it, you know, I, I look for the way parents are portrayed in the book. That's often. something I loved about this book was the yeah. mother-daughter relationship. That was, oof. It was It was really well done. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I heard John Green say in an interview that since he had kids himself, which is these mm-hmm. last two books, the way he's written parents has changed Definitely. A I lot. think in a couple of the books, like, the parents were barely there at yeah, all. Yeah, they're all, he said I mean, his goal used to be to get the parents off. Yeah, so like, I mean, one was at a boarding school, one was on a road trip far away from yeah. parents, and the other one was... Basically, the parents were only there kind of as very, very background very characters. Background, yeah. um, more as setting than yeah. as characters. Um, and yeah, because the, the mother-daughter relationship in Fault in Our Stars was, of course, very touching, yes, very moving. It was yeah. really great. But I felt like it was even more expanded on sort of that kind of theme in this book. And it was almost one of my favorite parts of the novel. Uh, I loved it how well written I mean, that was. Obviously, Aza's mom is not fully developed as a character no. as she would be if she was telling the story. Yeah. All you see is what Aza sees. But uh, that thing that, you know, and again, you know, I've been blessed that neither you nor your brother has obviously been, you know, mentally ill the mm-hmm. way Asa is. But as any parent watching your kids grow up, you see them go through stuff that you wish you could spare them and yeah. not have to. And the way she says, I can't remember her exact quote, mm-hmm. said, you know, I just want to make everything all right for you. Yeah. And then when Asa says, I can't, I can't make myself sane just for you, you know. That, it was that, really that, intense and it was, was intense, it was really yeah. powerful. I feel that was yeah. one of my favorite um, relationships in the book. Yeah, that's definitely been one of my favorite books that I've read this year. Uh, what else? What else have you read in YA that stood out to you? Um, well, I read Genuine Fraud, which is right. again uh, kind of on the same vein of, you know, the second book after a huge yes, success or the book we after. Liars yes, We Were Liars, which is, I mean, novels. that's one that most people in my class are doing for their independent novel study this year because right. it was 
from the list, you know, yeah. independent in quotes. Um, but yeah, because it was, it's just so popular and it's one of those ones that's already become just a part of the YA sort of scenery. Yeah, it's almost an instant it's a, classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I loved to death. I mean, I could sit here and talk forever about We Were Liars. We Were Liars was an amazing book. An amazing and I, and the thing is, I so many people were like, oh yeah, I could tell when that was going to happen. You know, I knew that twist was coming. I had no clue because for a writer myself, I am so bad at predicting plots. Like, I can almost never tell. Which is, I mean, frustrating on some level, but great on another because I'm always surprised. Yes. Whenever anyone is like, oh, that was a predictable thing. I was like, really, was it? I I couldn't tell. Um, So it's always great that way because I remember... I think you read the book first. I did, yeah. And then I, I've said this so many times, but I remember sitting down on the couch. Um, I don't even remember what side of the couch I was sitting on. And you walked into the living room. And you're like, here, I'm done reading it now. It was really, really good. You're going to love it. Handed it to me. And I did not move off that couch until I had finished the book. I did it all in one afternoon. Yeah, to be fair, it's a short book. It's a short book. But, like, I could not put it down. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And yeah. so when it came to the final, like, twist at the end, it was v- yeah. very, <laughs> very so unexpected. That was E. Lockhart's last book. Yes, we yes. Yes, yes. So now we both read her latest book, Genuine Frog. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I really liked it. Of course, it wasn't as twisty and like uh, surprising yeah. as the end to yeah. We Were Liars was, but that was okay. I feel like if she had done that twice in a row, it either wouldn't have stacked up or it would have just felt kind of like a cop out, right? Yeah. To like yeah. kind of try to replicate the same thing. So I was glad that it was different and it had a really. Uh, I've never read a book that was done like that before, like the backwards thing, because it yes, starts with the first calls. chapter is the end of the story. But my um, my concern while I was reading it the whole time, because it ends on the last, or the it starts on the last chapter, mm-hmm. but then it kind of ends on a cliffhanger as well. I was like, I knew it was going back, but I was like, is she going to do the thing where she gives us, where she jumps ahead even more and then gives us a resolution to that which she did which is great but I was for a little bit worried that it was just going to end and we were never going to find out sort of how that ended Um, so I'm glad that it did go back a little bit to tell the full story kind of I like that one I found it a really intriguing read Um, I didn't Mm -hmm. like it nearly as much as We Were Liars and I think that was a case where the previous book really tainted my expectations because I thought there was going to be a big twist. Yeah, well, the thing so I kept waiting to see what the second guessing. And see, you told wasn't. me that, so now yeah. I wasn't expecting yes, a big twist, yeah, so I was like, okay with it. I mean, I didn't like it as much as we realized, but I didn't dislike it for any reasons. I thought it was all right. There were a few times where I was, you know, a little bit confused and had to reread a chapter just yes, to make sure, yeah. you know. Because it does unfold backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you do have to really pay yeah. attention to everything because, you know, since it is going backwards and where she's going by two different names at one point. Yeah, because it's basically a story about identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really need to pay attention to who's calling her what and when yes, and why yeah. they know her and how they know her. Where and they know her from, yes. Oh, yeah, my goodness. It's sure. so much to keep track of. It's it's like you got to work to understand yeah. that book, which I think is good. I don't think it's badly written. It's no, just like complicated. In you a have way to pay that, attention. Yeah. You can't let it slide it's not a you, it's sure. not a breezy book. It's no, not. No. It's <laughs> yeah. um. It's, it's she says in the afterward inspired by and I've seen some people online say inspired by is too loose a word. It's mm-hmm. really an homage to uh, a book called The Talented Mr. Ripley, which mm-hmm. I've never either read the book or seen the movie. Although I should see the movie because it's with Matt Damon. Um, but uh, some people say it follows that too closely. Mm-hmm. But Talented Mr. Ripley does not have that. 
uh, unfolding backwards structure, which I think no. is the most interesting. Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, from. there are a lot of cool tropes that you can do with YA, but I mean, I've read a lot of YA. You have. I've yeah. pretty much seen most of those like cool things before that were the first time were probably really good. Yeah. But then there's a few other books that do that sort of same thing or whatnot. But this was a new thing that I hadn't read before. Maybe it exists somewhere, but I'd never seen it before. Um, same with uh, the They Both Die at the End. Okay, and, yeah, so tell me about it. They Both Die at the End, because this is one you read yes, that I did but you kept I really about. liked. Um, I liked it for several reasons. First of all, the title, that was why I picked it's it up. It's a great title. It's called They Both Die at the End, and they do. <laughs> it's um, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. It's sort of, um, it does the thing that I really, really enjoy for several reasons, which is um, it was sort of, it did that thing between its present day but it's almost like a parallel universe present day where we're more futuristic than we are actually. Okay. So what the deal with it is that there's this, uh, I wish I could, I think it's called Deathcast, like forecast, but uh-huh. death. Um, basically this like big company that they call you the day you're going to die. Sometime between like, uh, I think it's between uh, like midnight, you know, the day before and, and 3 a.m. They'll tell you when you're going to die. So they give you a phone call, but you don't know how you're going to die and you don't know when you're going to die. So I have to say one thing before we go on about this premise. Like, it's already terrifying to get a phone call between midnight and 3 a.m. But this world, it must be, like, the most terrifying. Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. Um, So basically, you get that call saying that you're going to die. And so there's this whole... I just loved how detailed it was and how realistic it was. Um, There's, like, this whole industry created over this now. So there's... um, I think it's an app called Necro, which is for people who want to hook up on their last day. So either people who want to hook up with people who are about to die, mm-hmm. or just people who are both dying and want to hook up with each other. So it's like Tinder for dying people, um, <laughs> which I think was hilarious. And then there's like a site, uh, they're called Deckers, are the last are the people that are going to die that day. Yeah, if you know you're going to die, you're called the Decker. So there's like Facebook for Deckers, where you can basically live stream everything, you know, see, like post, you know, selling this, do you want this, people who like, are there these like buy and sell oh, um, wow. sites for people who are like, hey, is anybody dying selling a sofa that you don't need anymore? <laughs> like, um, so you can message people and say like, you know, hey, uh, do you want to hang out because it's our last day? So that's like the last friend app is what it's oh, called. Okay. So it's about the these two guys who come from very different situations um, who meet through the last friend app because they are looking for a last friend. Mm-hmm. You know, either someone who doesn't know them so they can talk frankly about their lives or whatever, someone to just hang out with and understand what they're going through without feeling like all the, you know, emotions that someone close to them would. Right. Um, so that's how they meet. But you also get um, little one uh, like one or two chapters sort of scattered around from other people's point of view in the same okay. in the same world. So you see like some of their friends, like maybe their parents or whatever, or you actually see a couple chapters from the uh, the woman who makes the calls. Oh wow. Yeah, and there's this also this one girl who this whole there's this whole plot that I can't even remember entirely, but it was going on throughout the whole novel that almost had nothing to do with the main characters. Um, but anyway, uh, it was that she got a call saying she was going to die. But the thing is, about, like, two days before, she'd broken up with her boyfriend, I think her fiancé even, who worked at that call center. So she thought, it's just a prank. He got one of his employees to call me to, like, get revenge or, like, just be spiteful that we broke up. So she goes her whole day denying that she's going to die. Like, she's like, no, it's not happening. That was just a prank. And then she dies. Oh, my goodness. But, okay, so I got to talk about this for a while because there's a lot to unpack here. Um, So one of the things that I thought was so interesting about the book that they would have gotten into if it was more of the classic dystopian, because you know the classic dystopian where it's like there's some kind of 
dystopian thing or government or whatever, and the main character is all about that. Yes, so if yeah. this was one of those typical books, it would have been about them figuring out, you know, how they know people are going to die, like breaking the Who's system, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, this is literally just about people who are living in this world, mm-hmm. very similar to um, uh, the rest of us just live here. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's Which just we'll get to. yeah. So it's just you know people who are living in the world. Um, so they don't question anything. They don't ever try to figure out what's going on. They're just there, you know. Um, some of the calls that they tell you, like, you wonder, would they have died if they hadn't been called? Yeah, are the calls because, causing yeah, the death? Yes, so, exactly. Because yeah. um, some of them, obviously, they're not. the people who are, like, in a coma, yeah. die that day. That's yeah. stuff that, you know, in whatever world this is, it makes sense that they could predict, you know, if they can it's predict that. Death. But yeah. then there was this whole storyline about this woman, or this uh-huh. girl, who... Her boyfriend was gone away somewhere else, right? He was on a trip for whatever. Mm-hmm. Gets the call that he's going to die. So, of course, rush wants to rush back to be with his girlfriend and with his family for his last day. So while, like, trying to find a ride home, he gets a ride with this hitchhiker that he probably, or not, he becomes a hitchhiker, right, with this yeah. guy who's driving a truck that he probably never would have encountered, encountered otherwise. And on the way, like, speeding down the highway to get to his family, he dies in a car crash. Oh, my God. Which is like, it makes you wonder, because he went there because of the call, would he have died anyway under other circumstances? Or like, yeah. did that only happen because he thought he was going to die? So that's really cool. There's just so many levels to this book, but it's not even about that. Yeah. That's not what yeah. this book is about. It's about these two guys who, you know, become friends and eventually fall in love by the end of the book. And then they sort of die in their different ways. And it's really sad. Wow. Um but it's not like you weren't warned. No, yeah, called, they right, they're both died at the end. I love this book. Anyway, um, uh, and another thing that I really liked about it is that it was, technically, it's like an LGBTQ story, because it is about, like, two dudes. Two guys who fall in love. Yeah, fall in love. But it's, like, it's not advertised as that, which yeah. is great. I mean, obviously, representation needs to be there. It needs to be, like, important, and people need to know. But it's just so great to see, like, all these non-traditional YA couplings normalized. Yes. Because yeah. it was treated, you could have had the exact same plot with, like, a girl yeah, and a guy, yeah. and probably, maybe that would have sold better, I don't know, maybe that would have been, like, the love story would have been more prominent in it, but it was just so well done, because it didn't treat it any differently, which is yeah. really what we need in, you know, YA fiction. Yeah, and in all fiction, I mean, that, that yeah. would be the goal for representation. Is, is that you don't need to go, this is a gay book. Exactly. For it to, yeah. It's a gay love story. Yeah. It's just a love story. Exactly, right? Um, and it was great because so, like, they didn't even try to hide it. It didn't even be like, oh, I never knew I was into guys until I met Marcus. <laughs> like, it was no. These dudes are like, I think in their, um, in their bio on Last Friend, yeah. it didn't even mention this, but it said, like, orientation, bisexual. Right. Which, by the way, for anything in the media to actually say the word bisexual is so rare. Is it? Oh my goodness, yes. Like, there's, you get all these tropes of, you know, girls who are like, I don't care about labels, or guys who are like, mysterious or whatever, but they'll never say bisexual. They don't want to say it. Um, it's a very frustrating thing. I have a friend on social media who talks about bisexual erasure. Yes, uh, yes, because they do that a lot. And even if um, TV shows or movies or whatever portray characters who are, you know, attracted to guys and to girls, they'll almost never say bisexual. I guess because it seems too politically correct, if that's the thing. I like, I don't know what it is, but it was so great and so refreshing to see a book that was 
good on so many levels, had such a great plot, a great concept, really well-developed characters, and it was, like, about two guys and falling in love. Yeah. It was a gay love story. Which, it's kind of like when I said to you the other day on Facebook, oh, my, listen, my, my friend's daughters are getting are having a lesbian wedding, and you said, or, you know, just a wedding. Yeah, which is, I mean, I don't fault you for that. I think that's more yeah. of a generational I thing, is to, is to put thing. gay in front of everything yeah. or lesbian in then front of everything. They got gay marriage. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, that, that sounds like a great book. Uh, yeah. What was the other one? You mentioned um, The Rest of Us Just Live Here. The Rest of Us Just Live Here. I think I might have even heard of it before you picked yeah, it up. Yeah, I'd seen it around for a while, um, but it was... <laughs> the reason I resonated with it a lot once I read it is that they mention... The whole thing, the whole premise is that there's these indie kids, right? Which is what they're called who are the ones fighting the vampires, fighting the monsters, like, opening so portals. So fantasy world kind of Yeah, premise, opening yeah. portals to hell or whatever and dying all the time. And, like, one of them is called Satchel and three of them are called Finn, you know? Like, it's <laughs> it's like they've all got the same name. There's, like, no, I think there's, like, five Finns. There's two Satchels. Like, there's yeah. Amethyst or whatever. Like, it's really funny. Um, so there's that going on. But then also it's just, like, these people that are just trying to graduate without their school getting blown up. And, like, and they're, they're actually... The main yeah, the main characters are the ones who are the normal people who just live there. Yeah. And so they're talking about, you know, eight years ago it was vampires, year before that it was whatever. <laughs> so hopefully we can make it through high school without, you know, and then the school does blow up at the end. But, um, Spoiler. yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good, really good book. And it was, um, there's a bit where the indie kids and the main characters, their storylines sort of overlap, which it doesn't. For most of the book, you hear what the indie kids are doing and then you get the real chapter about what the characters are doing. Um, But there's a bit where um, someone is, like, in trouble and then they help them and the indie kid, Finn, says, I don't think you were supposed to do that, but thanks. (laughs) And, like, they're, like, running off, like, do you need any help? Like, no, you're not supposed to help. And they just run away. So it's, like, this weird sort of meta satire that everyone's aware that this is... Like, it's just this really weird, arbitrary kind of, they are the main characters and we're the background characters. And it's so cool to see that flip because it sounds like a good concept and could so easily be messed up and come across as just, like, bad. But it was really well done and I liked it. Um, Oh, it was just that the indie kids are so (laughs) self-involved that they're like, um, there was one line where they were like, they write poetry about how they how sad they are, but they're the biggest clique in the school, which is <laughs> I find hilarious you for also many find reasons. Me true of real high oh school. my goodness, yeah. yes. And even, there was this bit, which after I read this, I checked to see when the book came out, um, because it said if they're not too busy, like uh, you know, fighting the monsters or whatever or dying of cancer like they were. And I, <laughs> and I checked, and it came out after the Fault in Our Stars so, did. Yeah, so true. yeah, which, I mean, as awful as that is, cancer kids kind of became a phenomenon in YA for a bit, they which did, is, sure, yeah. you know. As, as anything that gets popular does. Yeah. And obviously the whole, you know, after Harry Potter, the whole magical powers mm-hmm. school. And that sort of like whole vampires. Twilight, you yeah. know, the vampire So it is, it's such Games. a cool concept, too, to have a book about the, yeah. uh, the, the and side it, And it could so easily be, like, cliched or whatever, but because it kind of... Uh, was right on that line of genuine and like satirical. Yeah, it was. It was. Really and the good. author is Patrick, Patrick Ness. Ness, who yeah. I've heard so many good things about. Really yeah, I don't think I. I think book. some of his books have been on my to read list, but they've never been at the top. So yeah. I haven't gotten around to them until until this book, yeah, which is it was great. really good. Yeah. So what else? Anything else? Let me see. What else do we have? Well, um, they uh, the hate you give. Oh yes, course. we yeah. both read the hate you give earlier mm-hmm. this summer. Tell me what you think about it. I think it is really good. It is an important book and. 
I'm glad it is getting the recognition that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't even know where it's, it was a while ago that I read it, so yeah. I'm like probably not as clear on the details. But I'm, I'm but glad it happened. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. about a, a young black teenager getting shot by in a confrontation with, yeah. with police. Yeah, while he's unarmed. Yeah, yeah while unarmed, and it's told from the point of view of, of his. Childhood friend. Yeah, yeah, female friend, not girlfriend, yeah. who's in the car with him at the time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She has to deal with all the trauma yeah. unfolding and the you know the the media circus and the protests and everything mm-hmm. that erupt. Uh, I thought it was such an interesting take. I was reading it just as they were releasing um, those videos of Philando Castile from mm-hmm. the car, from, yeah. you know, with his girlfriend and his child in the car, and I'm going to cry. Uh, I cried near the end of that book because uh, she. After the the main character is talking about her friend who was shot, she starts listing then all. I mean, the mm-hmm. character is fictional in the book, but then she starts listing all, all the, the real, real people, people yeah. that it's happened to, and it's just, you know, you said it's a really important book, mm-hmm. and it is, but it also feels to me it felt really genuine, not yeah, just yeah, like yeah. this is a big issue, but yeah, it was important issue, yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, you know, it was an actual novel. It wasn't just, like, yeah. there to be the poster. And it was written kind of by, thing. like, it felt, you know, I mean, you never know when you're, first of all, when you're an old person like me, and also <laughs> in this case when you're an old white person, mm-hmm. you know, it felt like it was being very authentic to the way African-American teenagers in 2015 or 2016 or whatever yeah. would talk and the things they would care about. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that the, the writer herself is a rapper as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, seemed, like, uh, seemed like she knew the world she was writing Yeah, because that's, well. that's the thing that we really need in, like, media representation and book representation is that you can have characters that are, you know, diverse or whatever, but no one's going to write characters that they don't relate with as well as people yes, who do relate. Yeah, so like, you yeah. know, like, you can... It's very hard to find, you know, someone who would write a female character as well as a female who's gone through those same experiences that the character is going yeah, through, right? Yeah. So it's good to have, you know, people who know what they're talking about writing yeah. these books. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've, I've been trying to make an effort to read more diverse books and more books by writers of color this year, and mm-hmm. that's been one of the standouts yeah. for me is the hate you get. Yeah, because yeah. it's good to not just support, um, you know... Uh, you know, minorities or whatever it is. Um, but it's good to support things that are made by those people yes, for those yeah, people, yeah, right? Because just you know, white people talking about. Yeah, there's the so many times I've read a book and it's been about a female character or like written uh, from the perspective of a female character, and I've looked at it and gone, "Is this a white man?" And then I've just <laughs> gone to the bag and been like, "Yep, it is." Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Which, again, to go back, all the way back yeah. to Turtles All the Way Down, yeah. I think John Green, you know, has done pretty well with female characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and he said, like, he gets uh, his wife, his assistant, Rosiana, mm-hmm. his editor, Julie Strauss-Gable, mm-hmm. to read all that all this stuff. And they made a lot of suggestions, like a girl wouldn't think or say that. And there's mm-hmm. details in there. I, mean, I was in, in a Reddit thread where someone was discussing this, and someone said, yeah, I'm pretty sure one of the women readers told him about boob sweat, because I yeah. don't think a guy would think of mm-hmm. that on his own. But also that came across really well because it was mostly about, you know, thought spirals yes, and stuff, which, yeah. again, he relates to it, stuff he knows. Yes, because so although writing, he's not writing about a girl, he's not experiencing being a girl, he is experienced mm-hmm. at being a person with, with yes. anxiety. Anxiety disorder, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you also said you were going to talk about, were there any more books you wanted to talk about that you liked, or did you want to get on to the one you really didn't like? Okay, well, maybe we'll stop by the one I really didn't like. Okay. Which is, I don't even remember who it's by. I didn't, I, this is, there's so few books in my life that I have not finished. Even yeah. if I sort of dislike them, I'm very easy to please when it comes to books. Mm-hmm. There are some books that I like more than others, but it's so rare that I will find a book, get into it, and go, I'm not going to finish this. That almost yeah. never happens. 
but I might have to do it with this book. It's called Two Roads From Here. The concept sounds really great. Execution, however, not the best. So it's there's these five characters, which right away I think is too many. Um, so off- I have an unpublished book with five characters in it. Yeah, but this is bad. Um, <laughs> so it's these five characters who all go to the same high school, right? And it's um, it's basically, you know, their lives are going one way or whatever. And then someone makes a decision. Then it, it shows you the way they would be if... It shows the way their lives would have gone if a different decision had been made. Right. Which I get. But the thing is, I've read a book like, book like that, which was just about one character. I can't remember what it was called. But it was really good, and it was just one character, and it was if she had made the... I think it was if this thing hadn't happened to her, and if this thing had happened to her. Right, yeah. And it was really good, because you got half the book was one, half the book was the other. Perfect, you saw both sides. The same characters came in, but they were in different situations, so the ending turned out differently. Really great read. Awesome. Um, wish I could remember what it was called. Um, but this one, since it's five characters, it's so much harder to keep track of it. And I'll, it be, and I'll yeah. get into the characters a little bit later, but basically... It was also organized really weird when you're going to be playing with decisions and time and also switching back between perspectives. I feel like you really need to hammer it home where you are. Yes, like you yes. need the parts separated by a blank page or whatever yeah. for it to say, this is when this thing happens yeah, or whatever. Not yeah. like blatantly like that, but you know. So it was really weird because it started with fall and then this person's character and then it went through all the other characters. And then it did like, then it did winter, blah, 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 blah. And then it went back to fall, and I was like, okay, I guess this is when the different decision was made. But then it wasn't really clear, and I felt like that could have used some more explanation. You could have... And the thing is, it starts with, in the very first chapter, the person making the decision that you can tell... This is the, it's about this guy who gets a head injury deciding whether he's going to play football for his team that night or whether he's going to sit out. And, you know, his coach is pressuring him to play and everyone's pressuring him to play. And he goes, or in the first bit, he sits it out and all these things happen because of blah, 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 of what happens at the game and the atmosphere because they lose and whatnot. And then, you know, in the other sort of choice, he decides to play. Mm -hmm. And so everything turns out differently based around that one night of that football game, which sounds good. But once you get to the second part, they don't show him making the decision to play. They just skip to another character watching the game where he's there. And I felt like that was a really missed opportunity to tell the reader, this is him making, this is why he made the other decision, this is why he could have made this decision, and this is how it went from there. But instead just kind of skipped over that. And it was not very well done. And then the characters felt like really shallow, basically stereotypes like they were treated the way you're supposed to treat background characters which by the way in english class i don't know if you know this in junior high and high school they tell you to make all minor characters stereotypes really yeah as what i've had a problem with that for many many years um <laughs> like i think yeah, it's I, not good writing advice yeah um so basically he was treating the main characters like that oh. like instead of just showing you what they were like they would have them literally say i'm too smart for this school but i don't try because i'm too cool or whatever oh, yeah. and i'm like like, I don't want to listen to that. Okay, so really shallow, flat characterization. Yeah, and then it was just... And I think so many of the characters were unnecessary. I feel like if he could have tried, maybe three characters was enough. Yeah, I must say, when you said five characters, I, was, I did say, well, I yeah, don't yeah. know for five characters. But five characters plus trying to do this whole two different paths, yeah. two different outcomes, and jumping yeah. around in time, that's too much. Yeah, that's it's, it's too much. And then, of course, the characters, since you had to fit all that... In a book, the mm-hmm. characters weren't really well developed, and it felt like each chapter, it didn't feel like he 
was writing the novel. It felt like he was writing the concept. So he was yeah. like, got this great storyline. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen then. And because of this, this is going to happen. And then when he sat down to write it, didn't actually know how to write a book. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't read any of his other work. I don't know how good of a writer he is. But, um, this also, one did not fulfill its promises. No, it wasn't. because It didn't. Because, like, and too much happened in one chapter. So you could really tell. It was like, I'm going to set it up for this. And then set it up for this. And this is going to happen. And it just happened too quickly. You know, moments were given enough time to breathe. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get a chance to really get to know the characters before things started happening to them. So yeah. when things started happening, you didn't care, and you also didn't know what was going on, so it was just a mess. So would it not have passed my, have I told you about my die in a fire test? No. Okay, so when I get into a book and it's not, I'm not fully engaged in it, sometimes I will ask myself, if I turn, my, turn the page and the next thing that happened was that all these characters died in a fire, would I care? I would not have cared. Yeah, and that's, that's when you know you, you may as well stop reading yeah. the book. Because of all the characters, I've said this before on the podcast, yeah. it's the perfect test yeah. for should I go on with this book. And no. just like these characters are just so bland. Like there's this one Mrs. who was... The thing is, she's a real, like, stickler for the rules. She's a really smart student, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing would be, like, whenever someone would swear, she'd go, <gasps> language! Like, literally that. And then it'd be, like, she wants to go to college. She got into this really great college, right? She got into, like, Harvard or something mm-hmm. like that. She's, like, gotten to that, but then she can't go because her mother is sick and she feels the, uh, you know, the, um... Obligation. The obligation to stay home and take care of her with her family who depends on her so much. And I'm like, that's great, but I've heard that so many times before and it didn't even... It, the characters weren't unique. The yeah. plot was a little yeah. bit creative, yeah. but mm, the rest of it not so much. That's too bad. That sounds like a letdown. Yeah, concept, I, but I don't know if I'm going to finish it. Like, I have no real, you know... You don't have to. You don't no, have to. I feel a weird obligation to, but I don't... <laughs> I feel like I just might not. Yeah, and that feels weird, because there's not many books that I've done that to, so... Well, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to not finish books. <laughs> I still struggle with that sometimes, but yeah, there are books mm-hmm. recently... You do get to a point where you're like, no, there's too many books to read. There's not even there's read. not even like one character that I'm like, well, I gotta figure out how their life turns yeah. out. No, no, you're not that engaged. No, and I mean maybe the second half is better, but if the first half isn't good, yeah, no. <sighs> did we cover all the books you wanted? To talk Let me about? see. What did I have? I also had I hate everyone but you. Oh, that's which another is, good title. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna be able to get through this book without talking about YouTuber books, quote okay. unquote. So quotation we, marks. We should talk about YouTuber okay, books. Okay, so. You can do what you want with your life. <laughs> Good to know. That's fine. Emma Cole says you, you can, can do, do what whatever you want. you want with your life. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, but I mean, at this point, YouTuber books, whatever. Like, uh, so um, people who have made a name for themselves initially as YouTubers, yeah, then deciding to yeah. write a book and I'm just not even can. yeah, basically because they, they can. Which I mean. You can do that. And obviously these people are going to be more successful and make more money from it than I will ever see in my life. But it's just always a bit, bit insulting. You know? Yeah, it's a bit I, insulting. First of all, I'm going to preface this by saying this book is not like that. I'm okay. prefacing as to why I liked this book. But I think yeah. I, f- I feel like I feel the same way about, you know, movie or TV stars writing books. Yeah. It's like if if writing is the main thing you've done in your life, yeah. it's a little insulting to have someone drop in and yeah. say, well, because I've made yeah. millions and my family Yeah, it's well like known. when people are like, oh, you know, when I retire, I just think I really want to write a book. And I'm like, oh, do you, Brenda? Do you? <laughs> um, you know, why don't you try that? You try that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you know that person. Yes, I do know that yeah, person. Okay. Yeah, okay, so YouTuber books feels a little bit like that. And I'm not even mad when, like, Dan and Phil or whatever, they did a book, but it was unique to them. It wasn't like a novel or whatever. It was, it was about being Yeah, Dan it was Phil, about yeah. being Dan and Phil, which is fine. Carrie Hope Fletcher, love her to bits. One of my favorite YouTubers. Her writing... Have been hugged by her in person. Have been hugged by her in person. Writing... Mm, yeah. And yeah. she said, like, one time that her goal was to always be a writer. And I was like, is it really? I was like, 
Oh, honey. Because she's much better as an actress. Yes, than a yes, 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 yes. I, I, I all think she does really well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, all these books that are coming out, and you just pretty much whatever you forget yeah. about it. But this one is by um, uh, Alison Raskin and Abby Dunn. Gabby Dunn, sorry. Who are great creators? They are really, really funny, really, really smart, really insightful. I like their YouTube work. I like you know everything about them, and they're also writers themselves, mm-hmm. right? Which is great. And then they wrote this book called um, I Hate Everyone But You. Right. All right. So um, this book is really great for a couple of reasons. Well, many reasons. Um, but it's all texts and emails mm-hmm. between these two characters who were friends in high school and are now going off to different colleges, right? Yeah. And if you've watched any of um, Allison and Gabby's stuff, you know that the characters are very, very strongly based on them, yeah. which normally would sound kind of cringy, but it's good because they're actually very interesting people and they're so different, uh-huh. you know, kind of, And but you can see how they would get along. So you get these perspectives that are like, you know, when people put themselves into novels, it's usually a little bit transparent and boring, yeah. but these are actually very interesting people. So it's so fine to read a novel yeah. about who they are because they're great. Yeah. Um, so you get these two characters, so you see their texts and their emails between as they go through very different college experience experiences and, like, you know, finding out how to be adults and all that YA stuff. Um, and it is so well done, and it's a pretty quick read as well, because even though it's, like, a big book, it is all text, like, um, like text and emails and stuff, so it goes pretty quick. Um, and you get to see, you know, how their relationship changes, and there's a bit where, you know, one of them flies, uh, flies over to the the other one's city to meet them in person, and then you don't get anything for a while. Because, of course, they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So, then you just get some loose texts, and you're like, ooh, what's going on? And then you get their emails back and forth about, you know, this fight that they had. It's very, very intriguing. Um, yeah, so I really like that one, and it was a YouTuber book Mm -hmm. that wasn't a YouTuber book, because these people are YouTubers, but you can tell that they're just creators first. Yeah, Yeah. they're writers and creators first. First. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, uh, I know you and I both ranted about this thing mm-hmm. of, you know, the YouTubers or the movie stars or whoever who, who do a book. Or Brenda. Yeah, or Brenda. <laughs> uh, but, you know, well, I think what, what irritates me so much about it is it doesn't work in reverse. Like, no matter how famous a writer becomes, mm-hmm. nobody assumes that they can do all these other jobs just because they're, like, just, Margaret Atwood, arguably probably one of the most famous But they wouldn't put her in a movie now. just because she's Margaret yeah, Atwood. I mean, they made this movie adaptation of her most famous book, The Handmaid's Tale. This huge, you know, top... Uh, the release of last year that everybody was talking about. She had a cameo role in it because she's a famous author and she was on screen for, I don't know, probably less than five minutes. Uh, it's not like anybody said, oh, Margaret Atwood, you may as well star in this yeah. now. And you know, a lot of people I'm sure have heard of The Handmaid's Show, but I have no idea who, you know, yeah, it was written. Yeah, who Margaret Atwood was. But, you know, you'd see people's books that you don't even need to know what they're about because it's just got their name on it and yes, that's all you yeah. need to and know, I think right? it just comes down to this idea that people think either they have ghostwriters, which I'm sure some of these YouTubers do. Yes. Or, people think writing a book is just very, very easy and anyone can do it. It's just putting words together on a page. And it's not. It's not. So, yeah, this book, I Hate Everyone But You, is, um, you can tell it was written by them. It's very genuine because they are, you know, because they wrote literally pretty much about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it comes across as very, I'm going to say this word for the 50,000th time, genuine. Yeah. Because it is, you know? And it was, um, and even though I'm pretty sure they didn't know each other when they were that age, it still comes across as like, you know, these best friends who are trying to figure out how to stay friends when they're so far apart and when their lives are leading in different directions. Um, But it wasn't ever like cringy or whatever, even when they were, um, they literally referenced Abby and, uh, or I keep saying Abby, Gabby and Allison's um, YouTube show. Like they literally said, 
have you seen this show? You're such an Allison, basically. <laughs> and it was, in any other book, it would be like, uh, but it was like, it actually, actually worked, it was yeah. actually really sweet. And I liked it. And it was um, in no ways as cringy and as like awful as most, as some YouTuber books yeah. are. Yeah. That's great. Well, those have been some great suggestions. Is that mm-hmm. anything else on your list? Uh, no, that's pretty much all of them. Okay. We're good. Well, as usual, on the blog, uh, if you go to my website, trudymorgancole.com, and click the Shelf Esteem button, you will see a listing of all the books that I've mentioned and all the books that Emma's mentioned with links to them. And again, for anyone who is looking for uh, YA book suggestions for the young reader or late teenage reader in your life, uh, you might want to check out some of these. Thanks very much, Emma. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye.